latest edition of Let Me Tell You Something during our year-long Dave Meltzer five-star journey as myself, Lorca Mullen, and my co-host, Simon Cross, watch every match that we can find that Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer has rated five stars or higher. We're taking a slight departure from our usual New Japan main event scene, but we're staying in New Japan, of course. Uh, this is June, when the junior heavyweights have their time to shine. Simon, what's the match we're covering today? Uh, we're taking uh, taking a look at Kushida, all caps. So Kushida, there you go. Versus uh, the pride of Essex, Will Osprey, the aerial assassin himself, and the man that at the mo- like, especially in the first half of 2019, I think there was a lot of serious talk of is this guy the next best wrestler in the world? Like, is he the inheritor of the Okada mantle, and maybe he will be as time goes on. He's a He's a very, he's actually a deceptively tall guy for a junior heavyweight. Uh, yeah. Like you say, this is the final of the best of the Super Juniors tournament. And going into this match, both men have something to prove. Uh, will Ospreay is the defending best of the Super Juniors uh, champion, but he did not succeed in his challenge for the IWGP he- junior heavyweight title that the winner of the best of the Super Juniors match is entitled to afterwards. Uh, losing to Kushida, who at this point going in, he has a record of 0-2. They've wrestled two or maybe three times, and in all of those instances, Will Ospreay has not come out as the winner. Kushida has the, you know, he's he's his Masawa to his Kawada. He's uh-huh. the Raven to his Tommy Dreamer, uh, is what Will Ospreay is at this point. And just looking at it... Uh, Will Ospreay has not at this point won the IWGP heavy, junior heavyweight title. The two times he's challenged were against Kushida and he lost both times. So he needs to get through Kushida to get to Hiromu Takahashi who has most recently been seen absolutely humiliating Kushida where he won the IWGP junior heavyweight title from Kushida in convincing fashion at Wrestle Kingdom the same show that we've uh, covered with the six-star match. And then when they had a rematch a few months later, Kushida attacked early, but then got completely overwhelmed by the unorthodox strategy of uh, Takahashi, and Takahashi ended up winning their rematch in less than three minutes. Jesus. I, then, I see the commentators alluded to it. I didn't know it was that level. Yeah, so Kushida's uh, confidence was knocked, and then he went into the junior heavyweight tournament, uh, that he's won in the past uh, with a very bad start of losing the first three matches in a row, or maybe four matches in a row. And then he had to win every match that followed and through a, a, a sheer quirk of fate in the head-to-heads, that ends up allowing him to qualify for this final. That Gado knows how to do a round-robin tournament, I'll say <laughs> that much. Uh, and so here we are, both men desperate for the for different reasons, Will Ospreay to get one up on Kushida and maybe finally get to win the junior title, and Kushida to get past Will Ospreay in order to go on and hopefully finally uh, break the curse of Hiromu Takahashi. To right the wrong, he's to right the wrong, he's currently yes. got. 
Uh, so this is the first Best of the Super Juniors match we have been covering on this podcast for 20 years to get five stars. The previous, and I believe only other time... No, there was the 92 one, which we both didn't care much for. Yeah. But the previous one that we both, I think, gave five stars to was the El Samurai Koji Kanemoto match. Yes. Uh, from 97, which saw the debut, I believe, of the Poison Hurricane Rana that is, you know... Uh, now infested throughout wrestling. I don't know if infested is the right way, but it's certainly around. So, uh, yeah, so, sorry, sorry. Do you, uh, what did you think of uh, Kushida and Will Ospreay? Obviously, we've seen Will Ospreay before in the PWG six-man tag, but yeah. everything was a blink and you'll miss them with that. This is a very, this is one-on-one uh, action. Uh, well, Osprey I've seen live, admittedly, uh, I think once in singles action and once in tag team action. Um, with his uh, sort of Essex tag team partner, and I think B Priestley was there as well. Actually, I think it was a six man against Mustache Mountain, or no, no, it wasn't. It was against someone else. I'm getting my matches mixed up. Um, but no, I've always I've always enjoyed watching Osprey. Um, I haven't seen a lot of his matches, enough of his matches, one might say. Uh, we'll get to see a fair few on this. I will. Exactly. This is one of the many many reasons why this list is a great palette broadener. As for Kushida, I had seen zero of Kushida, and obviously he has just turned up um, at time of recording in WWE. So it's in- I'm-, I'm intrigued to see what Kushida is like. And in terms of the match, um, I'm very I was very I don't want to like jump too far ahead, but if the- if this performance is anything to go by, they've got a hell of a talent on their hands. Mm. Kushida's essentially been the ace of the junior division for the past three or four years at this point. Inheriting the mantle from guys like Liger and Kanemoto, um, uh, Minoru Tanaka and Tiger Mask, and then Prince Devitt. He essentially inherited the Prince Devitt mantle after he left of the ace of the juniors division. Uh, first as a tag team with Alex Shelley as the time splitters, and then ah, okay. breaking out himself as a single star. And uh, He has a great combination of being able to do both ground and high flying like he's not the most spectacular high flyer ever he's not doing like osprey-esque feats of utter insanity ridiculousness but he's good enough to keep up with anyone and then he's got the great ground game and submissions so that means he can work a will osprey match and he can also work a kyle o'reilly bobby fish match yeah you know he and... can engage you on your level yeah and he does utilize that extra string to his bow um within this match quite early on as well it's like it's, it they make it very apparent he's got that in his game to outs to people who obviously aren't aware of that like i myself wasn't aware of his ground ability before i watched this match but within the first minute it's there for everyone to see yes. exactly what strategy he's going to use. They engage in some map wrestling again, like the Shibata Okada. There are moments of tribute to the old world of sport, British wrestling style. And Osprey is also able to engage in that himself, showing he's got other strings to his bow. But Kushida does mostly control on the mat at times. And then we go into the classic junior heavyweight stalemate that then became the uh, the popular way of doing anything in... in um, indie wrestling in the late 90s early noughties you know leapfrogs hip toss hip toss um they do some ridiculous stuff with cut but they take it to another level with this one with cartwheels and uh rolls and and osprey just does a running somersault lands on his feet through a um 
through an attempted re- reverse monkey flip by uh, Kushida. Yes. Yeah. That's the thing about Osprey is that he's moving things up to another level that's not really been engaged with before. And of course, uh, in the junior heavyweight, in the best of the super juniors, both this year and more famously the previous year, he'd had that match with Ricochet that really set the internet off as to debating whether this is true wrestling or not. <laughs> um, with the sort of choreographed sequences. Oh, is this the time he had that Twitter feud with Vader as yes, well? Yes, yes, Vader was a part, uh, stuck his oar into it as well. And Jim Cornette actually came down fairly kindly on the side of Osprey and Ricochet to the surprise of some. And having watched that match, and maybe that can be something we talk about on the next series that we're considering in the future, to me, the psychology of that was this sense of anything you can do, I can do better. Yeah, and so it's like you—you you, usually you're the one that can outflip and out outpace and be more spectacular than anyone. But I can do everything you can do, and so that's where the weird choreography of the handspring backflips landing into a Superman pose—that was essentially Osprey mocking or making a point to Ricochet that I've got you sussed out and I can do everything that you can do. Yeah. So there's a psychology to it, and there's psychology in this match, but I also think that. To get into my criticisms, if there are any of this match, and it's very hard to be critical of this match because it's a fantastic match, I think it's almost cursed, and the junior heavyweight style has been cursed by its influence. Because when you take into account things like Okada and and, uh, Omega, and even the work of guys like Tanahashi and Tetsuya Naito, they're employing those high-flying spots and that fast pace that made the junior heavyweight division stand out in the 90s when it was a slower more um, ground-based, strong-style, traditional uh, way of doing things with guys like Hashimoto and Chono. Uh, Not so much Great Muta. I guess Great Muta was the start of that bridging gap. But when you see guys like Hiroshi Tanahashi doing high fly flows to the outside of the ring, Kazuchika Okada being able to do amazing springboard drop kicks and everything when he's six foot four, what was the unique selling point of the junior heavyweights has gone away. I mean, Tanahashi, when he started off, he modelled himself most of all on Dynamite Kid. Like, his first real inspiration, the person he wanted to be like, was to be a Japanese Dynamite Kid. And then, because of his size and his look and his hair, he was uh, allowed to go into the main event scene that was never allowed for the Dynamite Kid and yeah. do that sort of stuff. So, like, well, I said, like, like Kushida, like, I guess because Kushida's a junior ace, but his high-flying ability is probably no more jaw-dropping than an Okada or, or a Tanahashi. Yeah, I or mean, an Omega, of course. Obviously, you highlight the, uh, the the problems New Japan have with this, but it's not by no means a uniquely New Japan problem. Uh, you you could point to any wrestling federation across the world mm. um, at, at the time of this match and level levied the same criticism at it. Well, yeah, how can Two O Five Live hope to stick out when Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns are doing so to tope suiciders in all of their matches as well? Yeah. Rollins will do them three times in a row. <laughs> Tope Suicidas as a whole, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go down that garden path yeah. of how much I hate their overuse. But the, to, to sort of skim the garden path, it's a great point that you make. Like, everyone's doing it, so it's not special. Yeah, because the logic is that because they're smaller, they have to, when they're wrestling a bigger guy, like the reason that Rey Mysterio has to fly up in the air and jump and someone is that he has to put his entire body weight to hit you as hard as someone like The Undertaker can do with just a punch. 
Yeah. You know, there's a logic to that. And then that's one of the reasons why I always loved in the junior heavyweight division when they would have a figure like Tatsuya, Tatsuhitu Takaiwa, who was a powerhouse within the junior heavyweight division. So, you know, like, like there are in all the boxing weight divisions, there are people who are submission specialists and like, you know, what have you. Um, yeah. And, and like strikers and everything. But. Mm. You know. And within a weight class, obviously, there's those who can dominate that particular weight class. But if they were to move up yeah. a weight class, they, they would, would become a speedster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like you see, Conor McGregor. Have you ever seen footage of him sparring with the guy who played the Mountain in Game of Thrones? Uh, no. That's all about him trying to evade the guy and trying to keep away from his grip. Whereas, you know, with Jose Aldo or other or other people, he will actively engage with them and, and because he knows well with Jose Aldo he would ha- have a size advantage or he was the aggressor against Floyd Mayweather when they had their boxing match you know yeah. he, he when he was up against Nate Diaz then he would keep his distance again so that's the whole you know so that's why it's sometimes a bit weird the junior heavyweights would do high flying against each other uh, but that's also to make them stick out from an entertainment spectac- uh, spectacle you know yeah and the fact that they are smaller, that means they can go flying over the top ropes. Um, and they can do more slightly stuff. more stuff. Like, yeah. cause, let's they can face... go at a faster pace because they've got yeah. less to carry, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that stand me about this match is that they could keep the pace going for as long as they could. There wasn't really... Obviously, there was the natural slow bits between spots where they're selling, but there wasn't like a massive slowdown in the pace of the match per se. Mm. Even uh, towards the end, when Kushida apply submission holds he does it with such a ferocity mm. um in terms of the way he like convey his facial expressions and obviously osprey's facial expressions that even the submission hold seems fast yeah even though it isn't do you get where yeah. i'm coming from there yeah, like, yeah, i get where you're coming from it'll be interesting to see because like what does do psychology in this match i don't think it's as strong it does become more of an exhibition of moves and that was what made the junior heavyweight stand out and now it's harder for them to do that so maybe they feel like they have to do more even more so because some of the stuff they do in this is like uh, absolutely insane uh will osprey was standing spanish flies and i don't get how you can do that but he's <laughs> to find a way like logistically i just can't figure it out is flip ddt's um uh I'm just trying to look at some of the, the obviously the cheeky Nando's kick. Oh, uh, there's an awesome spot when um, Osprey starts running to do the step up into the ropes, but Kushida actually follows him and does yeah. a step up as well, and so he surprises Os- Osprey mid in mid air with the uh, with the with one of his arm bars. I love, I loved that. I that there's something about a jumping submission application that I just bloody love a mid-air, well it's a mid-air reversal or something yeah yeah i know get, get i love mid-air reversals i just love mid-air reversals into submissions even more they're just oh it's, so everything's got to go right and they yeah. do it you know what's what i mean it, what's also interesting as well with the junior heavyweight the best of the super juniors is usually one of the few shows where the junior heavyweight title or the junior heavyweights will be the main event of the match and so they do all the main event things they do the standing strike exchanges it goes a bit longer than usual uh, that that you know, Kushida wrestles as an ace essentially, which is what he was. And like Tanahashi, he similarly targets a limb and goes after it, and he uses his intelligence. And he does seem yeah. like the best within his division. And, and Osprey is 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 you know, it is like they're the junior equivalent of Okada Omega, like the best foreign against the best homegrown native yes. talent. You know, yeah, that's that's uh, that's true. Um, 
I think as well that one of the obviously the other main event stuff they do is the big 19 count, which I think is executed perfectly because um, it sort of looks like, oh God, I, I, he's he's just come round at the point he hears 19 and just launches himself under that bottom rope. That was just a really great way of conveying desperation. I mean, we see it in every match, but I just yeah. think that was executed really well by Kushida. One bit that did bother me was the uh, the limb work in the first half of the match doesn't really play into the second half of the match at all. And, like, it just sort of gets ignored after a while. Like, because Kushida does target Osprey's left knee. And yeah. he does do things to, like, shake it off and everything, but, like, Kushida doesn't return to it at any point or try and bring it in. And it's obviously because Osprey's doing all these big moves that maybe would have been annoying if he just... It's almost better that he says, like, oh, I feel fine, I was able to shake it off than if, yeah. like... After every move he does, he just holds onto his knee for a second and then goes... Well, he does focus on the arm for like a, a fair portion of time, but then the arm sort of fades into the background well, yeah, as well. Yeah, and then he just becomes big moves, big moves, big yeah. moves. And there are just some insane big moves, like uh, Osprey's inside 450 splash, which is now used by Ali as the 054. Yeah. Uh, he does like 10 cheeky Nando's kicks in a row to Kushida. <laughs> Kashida's facial expression, by the way, when they pan to him after that, of just pure dazed confusion, is brilliant. And like you say, they do the strike-offs and everything. I love this one moment where Osprey does a pose after he looks like he's won the forearm off, and then Kashida just punches him in the face. Well, it's the neck, isn't it, as yeah, well? Yeah, well, it's yeah. obviously, but it's meant to, you know, the, yeah. that's, that's poor action replay work, really. Still looks devastating as a yeah, neck. Yeah. I mean, if, I, if Kashida punched me in the side of the neck... Mm. I mean, it uh, even if it was worked or not. Yeah, like I said, like it's a great exhibition of moves, but I don't feel a flow of a story as well with this one. And like, like my crit, so just like how my criticism of the um, Naito Elgin matches that it does too many moves. I think, uh, like I said, if you hit ten cheeky Nando's kicks, then and and then almost immediately, uh, Kushida goes into his finishing straight of uh, blocking a second rope Ozcutter, uh, then hitting his second rope version of his finishing move, the Back to the Future, which is Seth Rollins' old finisher when he was Tyler Black of the small package dri- driver. Yeah. Which is a crazy-looking, frankly, quite dangerous move to do. Because uh, mm. it is usually a bump on your neck and shoulders. Especially off the top rope, because he hits the super one first, yeah. doesn't he, as well? and then, well. like, holds on... Like, that's his version of maintaining risk control. Yeah. <laughs> he he follows up with another one to get the three counts. Um, but there is, like, there's loads of good stuff here, and I just don't want to go into... I, I like the exchange of Kawada kicks. Again, it's that sign of, like, the strong style that was defined by New Japan has now been influenced by outsiders. And yeah. there is elements of that All Japan King's Road style now. Like, what we're seeing is essentially a, a fusing now of King's Road and Strong Style. style. In the 90s yes. Into the, the modern day. Which is probably why Dave Meltzer's giving all these fights. Because it's like everything that he loved from one promotion and the things he at least liked a lot from the other promotion coming together to make I like- something... Even synergy, greater. yeah, yeah. great synergy between the two styles. Uh, yeah, no, no, I, I do agree with the King's Road stuff because we have it like, I mean, guess that's what we enter towards the end. We enter that pop up stuff because mm. um, obviously he does get hit with those ten cheeky Nando's kicks, but then isn't able to pop up in enter. Obviously, his finishing straight. You're right, and that does have King's Road written all over it. Mm. But there's so many. 
but we, we've it criticized. Help, it doesn't help that we're watching. Like I said, it's another one of those. It doesn't help that we're watching so many times. But now I'm so often seeing one person winning a strike exchange, going to run the ropes, and then immediately being shocked by the other guy hitting. You know, whether it's an Okada drop kick or an Omega V trigger, or in these instances like Osprey surprises Kushida with a with a an os cutter. Yeah. Um, and like you say, Kushida jumping into a submission hold. I do like also, because again, another sign that Osprey has more to his bow. I like that there was psychology in the way that he was trying to escape those submission holds. Like the hoverboard lock is essentially the Kimura. Yes. Uh, version of the Kimura. So uh, Osprey puts his other, his, his free hand and links up with the other hand that essentially. As to block it, prevents, yeah. It's, it's like, a, it's like a, an inversion of when you go for the cross arm breaker and the other one clasps their, their hands. Uh, to, to stop prevent. full extension. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I really like that. And so it, that was his way of nullifying the worst of that move. Um, or trying to, at least. Yeah, yeah. So, like, and maybe it's another sign of, like, why Osprey keeps on improving. You know, you see him at this point when he's only 24. And he's already amazing. And you're like, well, if he can get a step up of, like... Like like we, we've said in the past, getting that connective tissue between these amazing moves. And he could... Yeah. If you can add, like... If you can add psychology to the quality of what Tanahashi's, what your Tanahashi's and your Bret Hart's uh, are capable of doing, you combine that with the physical athletic abilities of what Osprey has, you you could have the best wrestler in the world. Oh, you know? quite easily. Just like you have right now, maybe with Kazuchika Okada. Yeah. And you had with Mitsuharu Masawa, who could do everything that would that looked good in the nineties with just perfect precision and also fantastically layered like if people say the only weakness Masao might have had was facial expressions which my goodness Kenny Omega not only can express himself facially he can express himself vocally as well uh, and physically there is a C-bomb dropped uh, very early on in this match <laughs> love a C-bomb well I don't know it's got a soft spot also, it. It, it helps that he's got that thick Essex accent as well yeah oh you cheeky fuck <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just I, I think it's because I'm British. It just I, I find it endearing. Mm. So I, uh, yeah, I, I'm sorry for sounding negative, but sometimes uh, I just I guess want to give explanations as to why I'm disagreeing with Meltzer as to why I wouldn't give this five stars. Okay. Um, because I don't think that I don't think it had that emotional journey of a story that we got from the Kanemoto Samurai match, for example, where okay. you're rooting for Samurai and cut Kanemoto's dickishness. I'm not saying it had to be heel versus face, but I just felt like. Like I said, I thought this was an exceptionally good exhibition, but mm. I need more than an exhibition. I need an emotional involvement. Okay. Now, I view this slightly differently. Um, I am going to give this five stars. Uh-huh. Um, I, I do take your point that there isn't psychology in the classic sense. It that just we... lacked that hook. Yeah. It lacked that easy way for me to tell what this story was all about. But to me, it sort of did have a hook. It had the hook of, obviously, Kushida had the ground advantage. Osprey went to the next level with his ability to counter that. Kushida got swept up, um, is how I like viewed the match within this, and therefore wanted to one-up him aerially. Uh, and then we get, obviously, to the end of the match where Kushida like, puts him away again. Um, that's just how I interpreted the match, obviously, it's an art form. There are different interpretations of it. I think there the was allusions to psychology that just didn't work yeah. out to me. But in much itself, in much the same way, you say it didn't hook you. I, again, it had it had an X factor for me. Into it did hook me along, despite 
some of the shortcomings that you've highlighted it just took me along for the ride that's that that's the x factor i've obviously referred to several times throughout this it had that Mm. so i'm giving it five stars well you were absolutely entitled to that opinion but i would genuinely be shocked even though you gave this five stars if this would be in any kind of contentious contention when we come to our next debrief for the top 10 that's as that's as one keep your cards to your chest and I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked that anyone would say this matches five stars. If, like, if that's the stuff you're into, high flying spectacle, then this, along with like the previous Ricochet matches and that, I can totally get why that someone's just as like I can get why some people love hardcore ultra violence stuff. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily yeah. do that much to me. I can get why someone would give this five stars. I'm just not going to do it myself personally. That's and that's all it can be is a personal reflection. There's no definitiveness. There's no even though Kevin Kelly weirdly will suggest like this is a five star match or we've had a six star match because Dave Meltzer, well we'll get more into that in the next episode. Um, but that's the thing we will. This is all obviously just in our personal opinion, and absolutely, I am not going to say Kushida or Will Ospreay should listen to me for a split second as to what I yeah. think might have improved that match because I have no place telling them what to do. I'm just saying from my opinion as a viewer with whatever educated or uneducated opinions I've formed through the 30 years I've been watching wrestling, you know? That's no, all that, I can offer. And that's that's all it is at the end of the day. It's just how it makes how it makes you feel. Yeah. Uh, whether or not you would give a five-star yeah. rating to any, any particular thing in any medium. Yeah. And we've just fallen on different sides of the coin on this one. But I, yeah. I completely respect your viewpoint and I think you completely respect mine. But when it comes to Brexit, oh. <laughs> anyway, if people want to get in touch with Simon about why he's right or he's wrong, and there is mathematical proof that this is or isn't a five-star match, how can they do so, Simon? Uh, people can get in touch with me on Twitter. I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Free for the number of times I thought Kushida would detach Osprey's arm from his body during this match. Uh, my name's Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L. A-N, as in at the end of a DeLorean. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, letterbox. If you put an at gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. I really hope DeLorean is spelt with an A-N at the end now. I don't know if it's It's fine. Okay. Um, if you want to get in touch with the show, it's lmtyspod at gmail.com. Our, email, our Twitter account is lmtyspod as well. Uh, we have a Facebook page. One day Simon will update that. Um, that's a dying medium. <laughs> Well, yeah, obviously the, the, the age demographics would suggest that, but, you know. What's that, Uncle? Oh, you think that, do you? Good. Thanks for tagging me on that. Anyway. <laughs> that got very specific. Yeah. Almost too specific there. Uh, anyway, Lorcan has other projects. Yes, uh, I do a podcast about the best uh, of worst of British films, Bowob Pod. Uh, look us up around there uh, if you want to see me complain about things much more happily to criticise than a Will Ospreay-Kashida match. We are not covering the Will Ospreys and versus Kashidas of British cinema in that podcast, I can assure you. <laughs> but anyway, uh, do you have anything you, you do outside? Uh, are we ever no- going to see Mid-Table Crisis make a comeback, Simon? I, I, don't, I do not think we are, sadly. <laughs> uh, no, no, no side products uh, left to plug. At this precise moment in time. Okay. There's nothing left to say now except my name's Lorcan Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star time or whatever you interpret your star ratings to be. Until the next time.
Still 